0: On this episode of Resi Week, feeling unsafe in the office, zoomification opportunities, and CEDIA in-person training—all this and more on this episode of Resi Week.
1: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. 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 This is, is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: This is Resi Week episode 260. Never coming back.
1: Support for AV
2: Nation is brought to you by
0: Draper, focused on innovative solutions. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, for AVNation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Ken Eagle, he is the senior global director of training for Athlona. How you doing, Ken?
2: Good to see you, Matt. Doing well. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Hopefully uh, your backswing didn't throw you off
2: too much. No, you. no. I'm a little slow, but I'm good. Uh, yeah, it must be rough, <laughs>
0: rough golfing in January. Mm. Then we have Jeremy Glowacki. He is the executive editor at Residential Tech Today. How you doing, Jeremy?
1: Doing well, Matt. Hey, it's great to be on with Ken again. I, uh, I was on last time with Ken. I think we're becoming like partners in crime here we're
0: grouping you guys together now
1: i know it's the it's the hairstyle (laughs) i think i didn't want to mention it but yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right gentlemen let's kick this off uh there have been some some cool things going around recently uh if you've missed it um cedia their their board has sat uh the executive committee and uh some new elected directors who are serving this term uh, mainly Shannon Bush, Eddie Sapiro, and Michael Sherman, uh, as well as uh, Albert, who is um, voted back in as well. Uh, so that's very cool. Congratulations to them. Let's, uh, let's kick this off with a couple of cool stories, mainly focusing around the workplace. Uh, this comes to us from CE Pro. A study by Honeywell has found that over 70% of the U.S. workforce does not feel Completely safe working in their employees' buildings. This number stretches beyond eighty percent for those who are currently working remotely. Yeah, so that says that like twenty percent of the U.S. feels comfortable working in their office. Can let me let me start with you on this. This is, and I'd love to see the skeptic in me would love to see how this question was worded, how this was phrased in this study, because I. Well, not trying to diminish anyone's fear of, of going to work. Um, I do wonder the level of, of fear versus we really enjoy just working from home. I, I, I wonder what the balance is. But what, is this, what does this look like for, gosh, everyone as far as the, the, the conversations that this summer life will kind of get back to normal and we will get back to work? as normal. What is our time frame actually going to look like uh, for, for most people getting back into that office setting?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question to answer. I mean, it's going to depend on, you know, a number of variables at the, um, at a much higher level, a countrywide level, you know, number of vaccinations we get. Um, I know in our conversation earlier, we were chatting a little bit. It's very difficult to get back into the office, Without knowing the status of vaccinations, right? If anybody's been vaccinated, if you haven't been vaccinated, um, personally, <laughs> I mean, I think most people would feel this way. If I had the vaccination, I'd feel a lot better about going into work. <laughs> but uh, other people who might be in there, you know, they may not uh, have the vaccination, may not feel good. I think we're a little ways out, honestly, Matt. And um, you know, um, a couple of thoughts here. Number one, it's it's really difficult to get back into the building. Uh, when you don't know the status of each person coming in and where they're going, where they're coming in and out. Here's what I mean. You've got a contingency of people in the office. Every company does. We're not 100% from home. You have some essential jobs that are in the office. Those people have been there for the last you know, eight, 10 months, still doing their work. You have to be very careful how we bring people back in and not upset that business environment that's already running and working and continuing to make us money and, and keep the business moving forward. Uh, we can't risk getting, getting those people sick with other employees coming in. Likewise, holding meetings or trainings and bringing out people outside the organization. And even if my company goes back 100%, everyone's in there, it becomes difficult to bring in outside people and risk again my employees, Uh, if I risk my employees, not only do I risk their safety and health, but I risk their contribution to the business by them being out sick and and not being there. So it's gonna gonna be a slow approach, possibly even a phased approach. Like I said, you've got essential employees in there right now. Maybe there's a phase two essential employee, a phase three essential employee until you can safely bring them back in. I just don't see us turning on the spigot and everybody goes back in one shot. That's too much. And I think you're on to something else there, too, you mentioned. Um, when do people uh, decide they want to go back versus they just enjoy working at home more? Uh, you know, For a long time, we didn't let people work at home because we didn't know. Now they have to be at home and we've seen business continue. So some people are going to choose to not want to go back. So I think that's a bridge that's got to be crossed in some areas, too. I've always worked remote. Our com- corporate office is in California, Lona's in San Jose, California. Uh, you know, there's no plans for me to be able to travel to California because that's still a risk too, to be able to make that commute. So there's, there's a risk in, in that uh, piece as well. And
0: obviously this is a, a much bigger, when you get into that, that, that requirement to work in the office conversation, that, that is a massive conversation and every company will have to deal with that independently. Jeremy, one of the, arguably one of the most interesting aspects of this article uh, to me was that last paragraph when they talk about uh, the top health and safety measures that surveyed workers want to see, including temperature checks, cleaning procedures, quality, updated air quality systems, touchless door entries, and technology for contract tracing. When you look at, you know, the majority of office spaces or office buildings that you've, heck, Toured, been to manufacturers um, that takes a, a massive investment to just go to, you know, automated door systems. That is not, you know, a thousand dollars a door that could be significantly higher. Uh, you start talking air quality systems and everything from UV filters all the way up to, you know, completely rebuilt, HVAC systems. That is a massive investment. At what point will that, will that be phased as well? Will that be something where those will be the, the specific drivers that push back to work?
1: I think, you know, when they answer that question, it's kind of an ideal world. And the reality of that is probably a lot less, but I think that they're if you're a business owner and you wanna bring people back in at some point, you talk, you think about what is a healthier work environment in general, and you can do that in different le- levels. I mean, you can have hand san- sanitizer stations throughout the place, that's a very basic thing, promoting you know that kind of a sanita- sanitary kind of environment. Um, I do think ventilation is important. Maybe that just means changing the filters on a more regular basis, really being on top of that stuff. And maybe it's about the airflow being a little higher than usual or than in the past. Um, I don't know about changing outdoors or making them touchless. I think people are just gonna be more conscious of all of these things, at least for a while. And then people will get back to what what they were maybe at some point down the road where they start to forget. You know, Think about how many viruses we were Fending off and getting sick from before a ma- the, the coronavirus, which is so much more fatal, you know, and and serious, but just sharing spaces and now, I, I think we 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 don't want to even come near something like that, you know. We've kind of all put up our guards, at least those of us who care for our health, you know. Um, and so you go into an to a room where you you don't know where someone's been, you don't know if they've they've had a um, Vaccination, that that type of thing, and it's rough. The thing that our industry is interesting. It, it, our our folks have been in the field. The integrators have been in the field the entire time, going to homes and learning how to be um, safe and how to um, respect their clients' spaces and that sort of thing. So th- that part of uh, our world is is, is much more pro- progressed and you know, ahead of the curve on, on a lot of this, but it is that shared space. Most owners are not in the office. Most owners are, are remote um, managing things. There aren't meetings in offices that often anymore. Um, People aren't using their showrooms. I don't think anymore. Um, And so when, when it comes down to returning, I just think that you're going to maybe limit the number of people you're going to probably stick with masks for a while. I don't think that's going to change even after vaccinations happen. They say that really best practices are to keep the mask going for a little while longer. Um, So there are just going to be a lot of different habits and best practices, I think, that maybe aren't as expensive but are just smart and keeping kind of current trends going right now.
0: Yeah, very good. All right, gentlemen let's move on to our next story of the day this comes to us from a residential tech today and a good friend of the show mr henry clifford zoomification improving the zoom experience to live learn and worship uh if you read through this article it, it's another really good one from our friend henry uh he talks about how at, at livewire they have focused uh their zoomification phenomena Uh, on three different sections uh, for their company, remote learning and providing uh, solutions for that, both for home and K to 12, as well as uh, take me to church and creating interactive experiences for churches. And lastly, the family call and ways to improve that. Jeremy, let me me come back and, and start with you on this one. This has been... Uh, a really interesting topic to kind of watch through the course of uh, you know, the year or so uh, that, that we've been kind of changing business practices a little bit um, and watching how different integrators are approaching how to sell through this. Because obviously it's fairly simple to go in and make a pitch for a, a high quality network, right? Everyone needs a quality network. To make stuff like this show happen, uh, make work from home and, and and everything else that everyone's doing online happen easily. It's a little bit harder to expand beyond that and not sound tone deaf. Uh, Henry, who who is a phenomenal businessman, has has come up with a really good solution of of making this kind of a, a friendly upgrade. Is this something that most integrators have, or or, or maybe? are missing the boat on and, and could improve the way in which they're, they're going after these progressive and, and potential opportunities?
1: I think it varies. Um, I, I do think that the common thread that I keep hearing from integrators I interview is the network. And there's just no argument anymore about the importance of the quality of the network and making sure you aren't dropping calls or having quality issues on, 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 what what have become basically your important communication, you know, our, our expectations, um, vary in terms of what we expect, because everyone's got a different bandwidth and things like that on their calls or their, their lighting is not always the best. And, but you've got people having very critical work calls. You've got kids learning from home, and these are things that are all competing for the bandwidth of the home. So I, I have no, um, That that's so consistent across the board. Now, when it comes to the equipment that's being used, that's a, a varied um, answer. I don't think that every integrator is doing that. I don't think everyone is is upgrading um, this this actual production unit that you would have these Zoom calls on. Um, I do think it's an opportunity and manufacturers are stepping up to create new packages like that new Crestron package that you can get that that really works well. And you, you he, he cites the Leon piece, that's just a nice way to integrate a camera into a home space and not make it look like you've got this w- laptop set up or whatever in your family room. Um, I, I do um, think that there, there is a going, going to be an ongoing need for this sort of thing, whether people are still in the pandemic or are just continue, continuing like we we're talking about, working from home. Um, those who, have learned that they don't need to go into an office environment, their, their CEOs are going to make the decision for them. You know, Hey, yeah. we're, we're downsizing our, our office space. We don't need it anymore. It's costing us a lot of overhead. So you're going to be working from home for the, in, for the foreseeable future. They're going to want a more comfortable setup and they may need to turn to a professional to help them get that. So I do think it's an opportunity for sure. Now, how, how you put that together is a work in progress. There are a couple, solutions, but not a lot. So I think that manufacturers are definitely going to step in and help help out the integrators in this area. I'm really glad you
0: brought up the solution base because Ken, what I, what I kind of wanted to talk to you about was partially because you used to be an integrator, but also because you work for a manufacturer today. What is the level and, and how do you gauge that? Because I've seen clients who have gone as simple as you know, hey, we just need a way to easily get our computer or our tablet mirrored to the TV. So when we have a Zoom call with the family, you know, I can hold the, the tablet, but, you know, my wife and the kids can see everyone on the TV and we can kind of pass it around as everyone's talking to the full-blown, you know, kind of solutions that, that Henry's talked about and, and Jeremy alluded to, where, heck, you've got a computer behind the TV that's running a Zoom client and you're running a, you know, a Logitech or a Brio or, you know, a, a true conferencing system in your living room. How do you, how do you A provide a solution for those varying levels? And what would you say is kind of the average base point that that the average consumer who is who's gonna work with someone in our industry is gonna be comfortable with?
2: Yeah, so great question. Um, let me start with this explanation on it, um, because at Lona, who I work for, um, we've been in the role of creating packages like this for quite a while. Um, so it's a great place to start if you're doing any research for anyone out there who, who's looking. Um, but you think about the way we communicate in these video conference, what we call them are soft codec conferencing tools, like Skype, Zoom, GoToMeetings, etc et cetera. Um, so In a a one-to-one, Matt, if you and I just wanna talk, Mm -hmm. we can jump on with a tablet or a laptop with an integrated camera and a microphone, and we can have a conversation. That's pretty easy, and and these tools really work super well for that, just like they are out of the box. The challenge becomes when we wanna expand just a little bit behind that. For example, in a a business space, if I walk in and I sit down into a room with you and Jeremy, and we wanna have a conversation with Mitchell on on the other end, and we've got my laptop and I open it up and I get my camera, my integrated microphone. What happens when, uh, that works great for me talking to Mitchell, but what happens when you or Jeremy need to jump into that conversation? Do you just stand up and come around behind my chair and look over my shoulder and chat with Mitchell? No, that's not professional and doesn't work that well. So this is where we begin to expand the concept of that uh, video, that soft codec conferencing solution. And we do that by introducing the ability to communicate with usb peripherals in the room Mm -hmm. so now you've gone beyond your computer to a small device that sits in the room and when i say room it could be this little conference room we're in it could be a large conference room we're in could be a teaching space that we're in uh, as the article described could be a living room right could be could be a house of worship so now you have a device in there that allows my laptop my tablet my computer to connect to it wired or wireless be able to spark up that uh, soft code at conferencing, that video two-way video conferencing solution. And through these USB connections that the main device holds, I can now make use of the pan to tilt zoom camera that's in the room. Now all of us are participating via video through my laptop's connection. Mm-hmm. And I can make use of the tabletop microphone or speakerphone that's in the room or overhead speakers and ceiling mics or however it's configured. They all feed back in. So while I brought my personal zoom room, uh, zoom device into the room i connected it to a system that allowed all of us within the room to be part of that same conference and be able to share that experience so um the easy way that's the easy way to do that there's different levels of that right there's small rooms medium rooms large rooms so that there are different experience levels for what, what you're looking for for your application and different price points to get into yeah. based on what you need and it even goes beyond that because some of these get fairly complicated. Let's go to um, the uh, Harold's room example, uh, teaching room example from the article. In that case, he's talking about uh, as we return back to the classrooms a little bit, some students will return, some won't. Maybe it's a hybrid a system where students alternate day to day, or maybe it's an environment where some just aren't, gonna, aren't comfortable going back and they continue to school from home. The point is you've got an instructor in a classroom teaching some local students. And then you've got more students remote dialed in. This is a hybrid or a high flex classroom this is called where you're teaching both types of teaching uh, simultaneously. And in this instance, you probably need two cameras associated with it one uh, pointed at the teacher, one pointed at the students in the class. Plus, you've got students each on the other end who are in front of their own personal cameras. Uh, and so this can be accomplished too, using the same system while still making Zoom or Teams or Meeting or whatever your preference is the uh, soft codec channel that you're using to let everybody communicate. The key is having that device, that switch or that hub that provides the USB connections and allows everyone to integrate. But it needs to be simple, needs to be easy, needs to be integrated. And you touched on this a little bit, I think in another article, but um, possibly touchless. So if you walk into a room, there should be a way that maybe uh, if, if you're an instructor, you want to use this room, you don't want to touch shared surfaces to turn things on. So maybe you walk in with a smartphone and you scan a QR code and the controls for the room load onto your phone and you now can control the room right from there, turn it off and walk out. So you've, you've got touchless, you've got the ability to communicate. You're using USB peripherals that are easy and everyone understands and they're affordable and you've got different scalable steps that you can take to meet the size of the room.
1: Yeah, that's very good. Wow. Ken, I think he could be a product trainer. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well i'll 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 take that to
0: heart and see what i can do <laughs> if you can come up with something make something out of yourself you know yeah you know <laughs> i'm All right, still Dylan, young we'll see let's uh let's hit our last story of the day this comes to us from ce pro uh cedia is starting back up in-person training in march uh they're going to start with their cabling and infrastructure technician school that's going to run from march 10th through the 12th it is a it is a hybrid class so you're going to uh if you're attending this class or taking this class you're going to do a bunch of uh, pre-work uh prior to the hands-on and uh work through that uh and and i believe it's 23 hours of of education on that and then you're going to do the couple of in-day sessions um jeremy let me let me start with you on this because uh, CDHQ is kind of in your backyard. Um, I find this and I'm going to preface it with this. I live in Ontario. We have been, you know, fairly strict lockdown since Christmas. So the concept or or the thought process of having in-person classes is as of right now seems very odd to me. Um, but I get that in the US and even in Canada, province to province, state to state uh, regulations vary and what is allowed varies. Jeremy, when when you see this and and living in the state of Indiana, um, you have a better handle on what this looks like. I'm happy to see it occurring from the sense that uh, they're moving forward and, and starting things back up again. I think that's great. Um, my concern is, does does it come across as as tone deaf and and odd to to anyone else, or or is that just me?
1: Uh, I, I do think it's a it's a touchy subject for them for sure. And they tried this once before at the toward the end of the year. Um, it looked promising that the regional events were returning to in person, and then those were quickly canceled when they realized that this thing was not getting better; it was getting worse. The pandemic, I mean. Um, Locally, um, like I said, my kids are in hybrid learning. So they're in person every other day. The teachers are working 100% of the week uh, just with a different batch of kids every other day. Um, That's pretty much true across the Indianapolis um, metro area where CD is located. Uh, So it's similar to that in a way, if you think about it. This is a learning environment. Yeah, there's some hands-on stuff. But as long as they're socially distancing in that space, wearing PPE um the um the openness of the space I guess would be essential get them in big rooms don't confine them in a small space so I'm assuming they're doing all of this they're they're pretty clear about that being part of their plan is that it's all very safe by this um, protocol um there's even a photo there of guys wearing masks in a training situation I don't know when that took place but uh that, that would be, I think, the case where it, it could be done. Um, it does come across as being a little soon. I think that March still sounds kind of a bit early to, to try to do this. I know it coincides with this this new um, curriculum that was just released, and I think that's probably where their big push is. This has been a major focus for mm-hmm. Cedia. Um, I, I've i been hearing about this. It's a, it's kind of like an entry-level wiring, wiring and cabling um, course that's been developed and the training that goes with it. So, um, they're probably chomping at the bit to try to get going with that. Um, but like I said, that that's a big facility that's going fairly unused right now, Mm -hmm. they've probably got a lot of big space that they can spread out in, and I would hope that's how they're doing it.
0: Well, and and I think you, I'm I'm fairly certain you've been in that space. I know I have been in their training facility. It is, it's not small. This is not, you know, an eight by eight room in the back. Uh, it's a fairly large space. Ken, as a, as a trainer, and you don't necessarily have to, I'm not asking you to speak on behalf of it, Lona. um, But I know there's lots of considerations and even considering what I said at the top when I was asking Jeremy about it, I'm not, I'm not unaware of the fact that when I go to home Depot or the grocery store, I'm in a space with a bunch of people and I'm wearing a mask and I'm, you know, elbowing past someone to get that box of screws. I, I'm not trying to be obtuse about this, but what, what kind of considerations do manufacturers have to look at? Because there is, we are in a technical field. There is no true replacement for on-the-job training, hands-on training. There comes a point when you have to physically you know, make a connection, make a connector, build something. Um, you can't always do that in front of a computer on Zoom. What is what is in-person training, and, and what does that comeback look like to you? When when do you see that becoming commonplace and 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 able to be announced without people like me going way hey, easy now?
2: Yeah, yeah. Good questions. This one really hits close to home because we do operate two physical training centers in the U.S. and several more internationally as well, which are all suspended at the moment. Um, And there's several considerations here. And how do we open those back up? Um, And to Jeremy's point, you know, my kids are in a hybrid mode and they're back in school here too. Every other day they're going in and going to school. Uh, The challenge with bringing somebody into one of our uh, training centers is they're not local. They just don't hop in the car and drive over. They've got to travel. They've got to stay in a hotel. They've got to eat out at restaurants. Uh, there's, there's more at stake for them to leave home and come and do that. So getting the commitment to open those back up from people who want to travel is hard. And I think, you know, some of the big trade shows are going to struggle with with that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, inside of our facility, there's a challenge there too because maybe unlike uh, Cedia, I don't have an entire building that's dedicated to training. I've got training classrooms where people are together. We've got labs where people work together on things. So, you know, you can break those labs up and teach fewer people at a time, so they're more spread out. You know, that's potentially an option there, um, but you still have a shared space. Uh, Meaning shared cafeterias, shared bathrooms, shared hallways uh, around in that room. And here's one of the big things about uh, training. When you come into a, a, especially like a manufacturer's training event, not only do you come for the hands-on training and the product training, because as you mentioned, it's hard to get that over a Zoom call. Mm -hmm. The one thing you get with hands-on that you don't get in the Zoom call training is the camaraderie of chatting around with other people who are in your industry, who are trying to learn the product and maybe experiencing similar difficulties or challenges or wins that you are, and it's great to chat about that in the classroom, at dinner that night, uh, around a bar for a couple of drinks, for breakfast in the morning. Those are intangibles that are part of the training experience, right? And when can we feel safe about bringing those back and not not putting your customers at risk who are coming in to train, or your own employees in the building. So when and what does that look like? I I don't know. Um, There's questions still out there. What's the new administration, uh, Biden's administration gonna do in the US? We're seeing some changes now. So we need to see how, what the long-term effects of that are. Uh, The vaccines, I can tell you personally, I'm not looking at opening up any in-person training until after the first half of the year. So if we can do it, it'll be the second half of the year. And if it did happen, it would be in a limited capacity. Um, And I think you're looking at um, 2022 before I'm looking at hundred percent back to where we used to be provided we stay in the path we're on today and things don't get worse again. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what I'm looking at, at the moment.
0: I will say it's the bright side of this for, for me has been that, you know, I've been able to watch how many manufacturers and how many industries have learned and adapted to, to again make training easier there was a time when you couldn't get any level or, or very little you know training from some manufacturers without being on site yeah and you had to fly to you know Florida or you had to go cross country um, yeah. whereas everyone has worked really hard to create some level of training some level of uh, you know assistance and it, it's it's been really cool to see how how broad that has become, which is, which is fantastic.
2: Yeah. You know, to your point, if I can add on to that, one of the things that that we've done over the past, you know, eight months here is offered a hybrid training approach. Since we're not meeting in person, there is some level of training you do online. And once you complete that, you actually, from alone, it gets set, set, sent, uh, mailed a pretty advanced kit of equipment Mm -hmm. that you then sit on a two, two days like this on a zoom call with a trainer. And you go through labs building all of that stuff. Uh, It's one-on-one. So you're getting the product training, you're learning it, you have dedicated time over a Zoom call with an instructor. But again, you miss that camaraderie of being with some of your colleagues for training. And that's still the downside of it. But it's been effective. And I have to tell you that uh, the response that we received to the virtual training has actually been 100% positive. Almost everyone everyone who has taken it has had positive feedback on it and have liked the fact that they could get their certifications get hands-on with product without having to travel during the pandemic.
1: Yeah. That's yeah, it's, it's it's too bad on this uh this infrastructure training. I mean, it's probably the most important hands-on yeah that they could be having to deal with right now. True, you know, yeah. like if it was a programming class, they could do what you're talking about. There yeah. there would be other options. But this is the one thing where they need to actually wire through studs and things like that i guess right They're yeah listed. you're right it's pretty also, these your are the intro,
0: this is the intro class right this yeah. is the basics of the basics you don't know anything when you come into this yeah. industry it, it's it, it is tough yeah it, it's really tough sorry i cut you off there ken
2: no no i was just gonna say be it wouldn't look real good my wife came in and i just cut three holes in the (laughs) drywall (laughs) i'd be in some trouble so (laughs) i would actually like to watch that we should do that (laughs) we'll do that online
0: (laughs) all right gentlemen let's leave it there thank you so much for joining us Uh, Ken, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Athlona and those fantastic training programs. Where can they find that information?
2: Yeah, thanks, Matt. Uh, Athlona.com is a great place to go. You can check us out there. Click on the training tab, access all the free training programs, and always check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe there. Hundreds of really great videos you can access right on YouTube. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Mr. Glowacki, thank you, sir, for joining us. If people
0: want to connect with you, learn more about residential tech today get their subscriptions in, where do they do that?
1: Well, you start with restechtoday.com for um, all the latest, greatest news and then uh, subscription information there. And also I really would love to have folks um, find res, um, our, our, our residential tech talks. I couldn't think of the name for a second, as important as it is to me, uh, podcast. Uh, whereas this week we actually interviewed Amanda Wildman and she talks all about the cabling and infrastructure testing certification. We didn't get into in-person education at that point because it hadn't been announced, but she, uh, she was integral in getting that whole mm-hmm. thing built. And it was a really great conversation with a really cool member of the industry who happens to be a woman in a male-dominated industry. It's really great to see so much progress.
0: Yeah, Amanda's a, a great person and a, a huge supporter of the channel. Uh, Absolutely. Fantastic. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Week.